Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. And don't forget to subscribe. Evening, y'all. Hello, hello. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Um, we're going to have the wonderful privilege today of talking about marriage. Yay! The small, very easy, quick topic on marriage. How many married people do we have here today? Very few. How many unmarried people do we have here today? A whole bunch. Lovely. I'm not going to ask in between. I'm just going to stick to those two. We have, I'm going to invite up our panelists, John, Jen, Zama, Navia, come up. Everyone, please give them a round of applause. Well, welcome. As they come up, I'm going to begin to introduce because I, I want us to have a lot of time to ask questions today. Sadly, we always seem to run out of time for questions when it comes to having panels, and so I don't want to take too long. But today, as I said, we're talking about marriage, and we're excited about that. If you've been following along, we've had our relationship series. We did engagement last week, where we also did a panel similarly. But today we're doing marriage, and so we have some of our most amazing, great role models of Christian marriage here before us. <laughs> How long have you all been married? 12. 12 years? 12 years, yeah. 32. Wow. And we've been married three. Yay! But I'm 31, so it's just a little bit younger than how long you've been married. But be my daughter. <laughs> Could be. When it comes to this topic, I just want to encourage you all. This is a topic for everybody. Um, we understand that when we bring up the word marriage, there's a lot of emotions that go with that. There can be a bits of, 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 of excitement, longing. There can be a lot of pain and hurt associated with that. There can be people in this crowd who've decided it's a broken idea and it's something that is ancient and we don't do anymore. It doesn't work in the modern world. It could also be something that we view as hurtful or something that really doesn't fit in. But it can also be something people have idolized and we look up to as something that's going to solve all our problems, right? Because I know it does that. Um, but that's why today we wanted to bring these wonderful couples up before you. And we want to talk a bit about marriage. We want to ask some questions and really get a bit of a glimpse of what does a godly marriage look like. That's not something that many of us have, a picture of what it actually is and, and what God uses for it. Because there's a beautiful thing that when God made man and man alone, and he said it was not good, he didn't make a friend, he made a partner. Um, and also, sitting in that same place, everyone here, even if you've written off marriage as an idea, there's probably some sort of inherent longing towards marriage that makes it appeal. And so we want to pull out some of that and bring out what is godly marriage and speak to that today. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of broken marriage, but our goal is to not blame marriage for how we've broken it as humans. Um, and we want to pull a little bit. If you just get a glimpse today of what a godly marriage looks like, then we've done a great thing today. And so listen. I hope that you're, you're, you're listening. We have some amazing uh, couples here today. And so to start off, I'm going to ask probably the broadest question I can think of. But before you answer, I'm going to give you a time just to quickly introduce yourselves. You can say how long you've been married, but you've done that already. Um, a little bit of your story, but then the question is, why marriage? A lot of young people ask us that very question of, of why marriage? Why do we do that today? Is that something that is archaic? I'm going to give them some or Navilia. You go first. <laughs> 
I wasn't expecting to go first. Okay. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Maybe just to, we've been married 12 years and our context is that we met at work and I always said I would never date someone that I work with so I lied to myself and broke that promise <laughs> and I also said I wouldn't date someone who doesn't live in Cape Town and I dated someone who had never been to Cape Town by the time I met him. So maybe one of the first things would be watch the words you speak over yourself because um, they can limit what God can do. Um, why marriage? I think there are a few, and I don't want to speak on behalf of everybody else, but two things. The one is from a movie, Shall We Dance, by Susan Sarandon and Richard Gere. And she um, has a conversation with a private investigator, and he says, why do people get married? And she says, people get married because they want a witness. They want someone who will witness their lives, who will say, your life matters through the highs and through the lows. And I've always thought that that was such a beautiful reason for why people ultimately get married. Um, in my context, um, there was a time in my life when I didn't think I would get married because of the broken marriage picture that I had seen in my own family. And I thought, why? I'm not going to put myself through this. But maybe why marriage? You know, in South Africa, we have one of the highest rates of accidents, car accidents, like road accidents. Does it stop us from getting into cars or into taxis? No, <laughs> we still get into cars and taxis because ultimately we want to get somewhere. And so I think the same with, even though we've seen so much brokenness in marriage and maybe a wrong picture of what marriage looks like, um, that doesn't mean we say, well, peace out to marriage. Um, in the same way that when we get into a car each day, we trust God. Um, for the ultimate destination, I, I believe that we can do the same with marriage, is that trust God to heal that broken picture that we had, the trauma we might have had, the wrong pictures that we might have had, and trust Him for a greater outcome. Sure. Um, I, had a, I had a similar analogy too, but now I can't use it now. Yeah. Um, no, no. Um, but maybe just to add to what Nabila was saying, is just included with that bit of witness, there's also that, there's, um, is Neo here? Just he's here, he's not here. So there was a, um, he preached a couple of weeks ago and he's talking about friendship and I'm going to paraphrase him here and he said that um, our friends, godly friends, call us, call us up and remind us of the words and prophecies that have been spoken over you. And I found that in being in this relationship, in this covenant relationship, Navelia has done that to such an extent where there have been times where I've forgotten things. I've Keep on, I just, I, just, I just keep on trucking on. But she has been a consistent reminder of, hey, homie, you see what's going on in your life right now? Remember what God has spoken. Remember what you've been through. And so in, in just reminding you who you are, um, obviously one can say, fine, you can just put a reminder on a calendar that will remind you who you are. Um, but in terms of the context of marriage and that it's, it's a place of growth, it's a place of life. Um, yeah, a lot of us don't come from from places where uh, marriage was the thing that worked out or was the thing that was the greatest example. But in seeing what God is able to do, what God is able to, 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 to minister, even when I didn't think that I'd be married at the age of 25, it was, wasn't something that I had any intention of doing. But lo and behold, I was married at 25 and I was like, okay, God, we are here now. So, and gratefulness to see how we've grown as, as, as people and also realize that marriage isn't just about yourself. It's also about your community. 
Um, marriage doesn't just bless you. It blesses the people that you are intention. You are because you're bringing two worlds together. And so my life is pollinating other people's lives in Avila's spheres and her vice versa. Um, so yeah. Um, okay. Um, for us, uh, John is from the island of Guam. I'm from the country of Canada. So, <laughs> maple syrup. yes, maple syrup. And um, I went over on a mission trip, and he's my souvenir. <laughs> live, live souvenir. I paid for it. <laughs> but um, we we dated for a while, and. Um, why did we get married? Well, we come from, both of us come from families where our parents were together until God took them home. And so that was an amazing thing for us. And both of us just saw, we saw, oh, that's what you do. That's companionship. You have companionship through your life. And so that's a big reason why. It's like, I have fun with him. And when we were dating, we had fun. Um, I would go jogging, and he wanted to come, so he would come, and he'd say, Jan, keep going. And so I find out later, he'd stop and throw up on the side of the road, <laughs> and then run and catch up. <laughs> but we had fun. <laughs> and, and in our marriage, we have fun. Um, and if any advice I could give you, have fun with the partner that God has given you. Um, even in our arguments, one time we were arguing, I don't even remember what it was about, but John said, you have to love me. <laughs> and of course, and of course it's like, yeah, right. Um, then he says, no, the Bible says you have to love your enemies. <laughs> so, so me having to get the last words is yes, but I don't have to like you. <laughs> so even in those arguments and those times, we still have fun. We got a story out of the, out of the deal, but... Um, we had a lot of fun, and it's, a, it's good. It's a companion. It's someone to just share life with. Well, you know, God created marriage, and he loves marriage. I mean, when he uh, created man, he said, it is not good for this guy to be alone. Turn to the person next to you. It's not good for you to be alone. <laughs> and that's why he created marriage. And uh, if it's done right, and if it's done in God's power, then it's, it's amazing. I mean, he used the marriage supper of the Lamb. Israel was God's bride. The church is Christ's bride. So lots of analogies to marriage. So it must be a good thing, eh? Eh? That's Canadian. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Now, a couple of words of advice. And um, uh, Zach did talk about friendship. I think, I still believe that it's a long long-term friendship it's and if we can just keep at the friendship thing uh, you have friends then you have good friends and you have best friends who become lovers <laughs> and so I'll do whatever I can to keep this friendship strong I'll, I'll take care of it I'll nurture it I'll do do what I can and the second thing is your faith I mean, I, I, had to, I had to step up to the bat and say, I need to lead this thing. I need to, I need to be the first one to pray. I need to be the first one to, when, when we go through conflict, I'm going to pray about this thing. I'm going to gather the kids when things are, are going rough. And so your faith, because as, as her faith is strong, my faith is strong, that faith becomes one faith, 
and it joins us together as man and wife even stronger. So uh, friendship and faith, a couple, couple tips. That's amazing. So in particular, there's a lot of people in this room that are um, still single, still wanting to get married. And I think a lot of us have a picture of what we want marriage to be like before we get there, whether you're dating somebody already or not. And there's also maybe some fears around things that you currently have as a single person. Will I lose that when I get married? Will I lose, you know, um, my career aspirations or things that I like to do? So for John and Jenna in particular, when you think about the vision that you had as a single person about marriage, 32 years in, do you feel like you saw that fulfilled? Do you feel like there were changes to that? And how did you reconcile that adjustment of singlehood to marriage? Um, okay. Before I was married, I uh, played a lot of basketball. and. Yeah, that was before children. <laughs> but as you know, basketball players tend to be tall. So who did I hang around? I hung around with tall guys. <laughs> and um, so I, that's who I expected. I expected I'd marry some tall guy, basketball player. And as God was working on my heart, I remember thinking, yeah, God's going to give me some short Asian guy. <laughs> who has glasses and sings. <laughs> it was exactly who I needed. John has an amazing voice, by the way. And yes, I would marry you again. But my vision of the person I, wa I was wanting to marry was totally flipped around. But God knew what was better. So how do I just do it? We just, again, we have fun. One of my friends at our wedding said, Jan, you always wanted your tall, dark, and handsome. Well, two out of three is not bad. <laughs> but, but just, again, um, I think going in, aside from the person I envisioned, um, it was, again, it was just someone, it was the companionship, and that was very similar. There are a lot of things that you give up, but there's more that you gain. Yeah. Well, on my side, I had, uh, I, we, I got married relatively late, uh, I was 32 by the time we got married, but um, I had I made had up a, for it now. Now yeah, I'm 32 made up for years. It. It's on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, I had done lots of things. I mean, I, I had already been a missionary. I traveled the world. I'd seen lots of great stuff. But over the time, I remember uh, I remember one time specifically going to the Grand Canyon. And seeing how beautiful it was, amazing. I, I went to the Rocky. I went to just beautiful places. And I always thought, wow, it sure would be nice to have someone to share this with. <laughs> it is not good for man to be alone, remember. And what did he do? He created woman. Whoa, man. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't very... <laughs> Dad joke there, sorry. So that was my, I really wanted someone to, to share this thing with. I knew in my heart that this is going to be, I, my parents had a great relationship. They shared, and they gave me a great vision for marriage. I wanted to be able to share all these wonderful things with for the rest of my life, a companion that I could build memories with, and that, and that has happened, and it's been wonderful. And I just want to say that. Just quickly before we move on, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that question. 
I think like with just that last part what John was saying, someone to build memories with. I think it's also someone to help you appreciate different things. Um, I grew up in a place where, not in a place, my family, I think, if I remember correctly, the last time I actively remember celebrating my, my birthday, I think I was seven. You know, and then like after that, it's like, yeah, shop, you did the things, nali keke, let's keep it moving. And Navilia has helped me to learn how to celebrate again, um, learn how to, how to acknowledge things, how to mark things. In fact, she's the person in my family, on my side of the family, where now people are looking forward to random things, like whether it's a birthday or an anniversary or just someone passed, they are always asking, eh, did Mamani Navilia, eh, what are we doing? Because that's Auntie Navilia, because she's created a culture in the 12 years that we've been married of bringing her best self to, to my family and saying, this, these, are, these things are good. So it's not only just creating uh, memories, but also appreciating different and new things. So, so yeah. yeah. It's so good. Um, in case you all don't know, when you come and do one of these panels at church, we do give you a couple questions in advance, just so you know what we're going to ask some things. But this is not one of those. Um, and so I, it was Good really just something you said, John, that I wanted to, to ask John Jen, Zama Nivea as well. This is something that came up in mind in Jess's marriage. When we were preparing for getting married, um, and we're looking at what does a godly marriage look like, and there's many scriptures in the Bible about the man is the head of the household. And this is a common question, but in the modern world, it also brings up a lot of current fears, both in men and in women. Um, and I just want to get a little bit of your, your, your view on that, on, on what does that look like? Being married for 12 years, um, in the godly picture of marriage, what is that? And is it something we should be afraid of? <laughs> I think it's something that you should, it's almost like there's something that Paul says in Philippians 3. Um, it's in the book of Philippians, you go read guys, where uh, he's talking about how he's pressing forward toward the upward call of God, right? He's, he's, he's trusting, he's, he's, he's going forward, and then he says, not that I have accomplished all these things, but this thing that I do, that I press on forward, I forget the things that, I hate, that are behind me. Um, Pastor Greg will fix if, I, if I'm misappropriating scripture. But like, even in terms of some of the things that what it is to be a godly man or a godly husband. These are things that I'm pressing towards, in, pressing into, but even though I may be making mistakes, I'm pressing, in, I'm pressing towards them. I'm not doing marriage perfectly. I'm doing marriage as a, Lord, help me. Um, you know, one of the things that we've been, we we're talking about recently about how, um, what's this thing called? It's, gonna, it's in the, one of those 10 laws, one of the questions that they're going to ask us. Um, <laughs> where it's, it's, so a friend of mine was reading a book about uh, atomic habits and talks about how identity uh, determines action and action reinforces identity. And so if I'm living from a place of, I'm a godly husband, I'm a, I'm a son, therefore I'm going to act from that place. And as I act from that place, I'm reaffirming what God says about my relationship, what God says about me. So it's an intentional working out. I, I don't think there's ever, I am there. You know, like um, right now, uh, we're, we're doing our best to, to try and uh, work, work with our daughter in terms of, okay, this is how we read scripture, ask questions, that kind of thing. And sometimes she'll ask really random questions that, and then she's like, okay, but 
he just poofed into existence. Who made him? You know, and, and how you answer that question, is that going to be a basis of like, Yo, you're a bad Christian or you're messing up in terms of you didn't give her the 10 points of, you know? It's, it's really a thing of we are doing it by faith. How are you being a husband? You're doing it by faith. How are you being a wife? You're doing it by faith. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, 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 it's a faith step day by day. Can I? So this is something that I hugely struggled with, so that's how I want to speak about it. Um, but maybe the first thing to say is that Scripture says the husband is the head of the household. It does not say the boyfriend or the person you are dating is the head of the household. So I maybe want to put that there because I think a lot of us are in a dating relationship that can start being thrown around, and that is inappropriate because that's not what God is saying. I don't know who that is for, but that I'm just putting it on the table and I'm going to run. Then come back to, this was a struggle for those of us who grew up with Beyonce or independent women, um, I want to see you raw, blah, 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 all of that, and then you get told, you must now. And it's just such a heavy word when you just, I mean, even saying it, it makes you feel heavy. Submission. And there's never a picture where, if you watch any movie, there's never a picture where submission was a beautiful thing. It was always the people who are having to submit are the ones who are losing because the stronger, more powerful people have come in and taken over your country or whatever. One of the pictures we got in our um, pre-marriage counseling, because we did pre-marriage both at Every Nation, then called his people, and at the church that Mzambu belonged to, and our marriage mentor said they, uh, and it was the wife that said it, which I think is so powerful, and she was a working, well-educated, um, ran a business and was a, a lecturer in academia. Um, so it wasn't, you know, everything that I thought I could aspire to be this person. And she was the picture of submission. And she said to her, submission is sub and mission. You come under the mission. And so the mission is not this guy's mission. The mission is what God has told this man should be the mission for the family. And I think maybe the biggest invitation to us as women is make sure that the man you are marrying listens to God. Because if he doesn't, then there's no mission to come under. And so I think when you can trust that the person that you are with is actively pursuing God, it is easier to come under a mission in obedience to God. John and Jan, do you want to add anything? Havilia, you said that amazingly. I can't say it any better. That was very good. Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate uh, Jan a whole heap. Uh, we, when we started out, we were trying to figure this out. This is 32, 33 years ago. We were trying to figure this out. And I, I think one big thing is that we are always looking out for each other's good. So it's not like I was, it was a one, I mean, we still fight that at, at other, sometimes is the one-upmanship, you know, what's, who's better than the other. But I really appreciate um, how Jan allowed me to lead. She actually did. 
I mean, she is very capable. I mean, she's a lot smarter than me, better looking, all that good stuff, you know. But she said, John, you know, um, we're going to work on, let's work on this together. I mean, uh, we, we both... We both were in submission to the Lord, in submission to each other. He said, you know, someone's got to have the final word here, you know, in this thing. And, and that's true. It, it come, when push comes to shove, someone's going to have to make the final decision. And she would often defer to me. But I will often talk to her first and make sure she, we're in the same corner and that we are working it together. So there was always a, a mutual submission, but she always would say, okay. Hey, mister, you got the final word, you know, and because uh, God put you in this place. So I really appreciate that. So, so good. Simon Avelia, here's a question for you, too. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, famous scripture, we all know. Uh, Paul says, it's better to be single than to be married. <laughs> and that's a common scripture we hear. We hear it used in little short pieces for people to oppose marriage. Um, as a married couple, as a couple who minister together, how do you all understand that? <laughs> um, so, I think also, just to hark back onto what John was saying, Ephesians 5 says, he who loves his wife loves himself. And so, needing to remember that if, if you're going to get one thing right, love your wife. You're going to have an opportunity, love your wife. <laughs> Whether she the, it talks about respect, but also love your wife. Men love your wife. First uh, Corinthians chapter seven verse seven. <laughs> Funny enough, in the very verse before it, you know what it says? I say this as a concession, not as a command. So he's not scratching out everything that Scripture talks about in terms of marriage being a godly idea. Marriage is God's idea. So even as as a as a, as a couple together who minister together, we, I think it's, it's important that when you're heading, you're, you're, as a single person, be fully single. Yeah. I'm reminded of um, Colossians chapter, two, chapter 3, verse 23 to 24. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ Jesus. Be fully single. Be fully in the, in, in the moment. You're, 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 you're following your career. You're trusting God. He, you're trusting him to lead you in purity. Be fully in that. Yeah. And when the time comes for, for, for being in marriage, praise God. But the thing of seeing singlehood as a, as a curse or as a thing, ah, you know, as a thing that's over my head, it's a, it's a black cloud of my head, that's not true. Um, I, I think of a, of a friend, for instance, who he was my best man at our wedding. And poor in the time that I've been married, he has sought, he started businesses, he's coaching football, he's doing mentoring, he's doing, um, he's doing a, fashion, a fashion line, he's also followed a ministry stream in, in, in some areas. He's a 39-year-old guy. Yes, he's trusting, but he's fully single. And he's fully like, you know what, Lord, I want to be in a relationship, but as far as I can see, I but okay, fine. I'm going to be fully in this thing. And we can be fully single and still trust the Lord for a partner. But am I being faithful in my singleness? And in the same way when, as, as, a, minish, as, as a couple, be fully in this. You know, when I keep on saying to guys, I, I was at a, at a shoot yesterday, and uh, the guy sees my wedding band, and he's like, yo, man, 
I see you got a wedding. You're, you're married. How long have you been? I see 12 years. He's like, yo. You know, and then they put you up on a pedestal. <laughs> and, 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 and he's like, I wonder, yo, how, how do you do it? And I'm like, it's a decision. Being fully single is a decision. Being in the moment is a decision. And being fully married is a decision. Because, as I said to the guy, there are new versions of women each year. You know, like how cell phones come out every year? There's like, there's a new version every year. But I am fully married. I'm fully in this. I'm fully trusting the Lord for this woman. And it's, it, it's something that we need to have. Like even as uh, Jan and John were talking about having examples of people who've stayed and have just seen things through. Let that be us, Lord, that we see things through that we trust God to see things through. Let it be in our generation that my wife can say, you know what, man, this man was faithful to me. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll clap for you. <laughs> Could I ask who is single in, in the auditorium tonight? Do you mind putting up your hands? Amen. God bless you. Can I now be very personal and say who is happily single? comfortably single. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I bless you for that. I was, so as someone who was single for very, very long before I got married, um, I've got a lot to draw from. I think I I I shared earlier that at a stage I didn't think I was going to get married, but maybe one of the first things would be don't date just because you're scared of being alone. And ask God to show you who you are and what he loves about you and what he's called you to and, and be happy with that person. Because if that is not resolved, there's no relationship that can deal with that. So that's probably the first thing. The second thing would be don't stay in a relationship that is clearly a values clash, thinking that your lights and your values are going to bring this person over to Christ. That is, <laughs> I mean, that is discipleship, not dating. And um, so I, I, as someone who stayed in a toxic, I didn't have the words back then, it was toxic um, for me, but when it was good, it was really good, and then when it's bad, it's terrible, but then you tell yourself, oh man, you know, it's going to get better or whatever, but there was clearly a values clash. And in that relationship, I was unable to walk away, not realizing that I'd actually put myself in a bit of a probably soul tie or a stronghold of sorts. I prayed, Lord, if this is not of you, please release me from this relationship. And God was so faithful and he did. And so probably my advice in singles or to singles is um, don't, don't be in a relationship that is not equally yoked, even as you're trusting towards marriage. Mzamo's um, already alluded to it, but one of the other things, um, you said it very well, but honor God with your singlehood and don't think that marriage is God's ultimate highest calling, because it's not. Whatever God has called you to is God's ultimate highest calling for you to honor him and honor him in that. I've got a relative who I love dearly who suffers, um, well, who struggles, sorry, with same-sex attraction. And he said as he's 
commitment to the Lord, he will never get married, not to a woman or to a man, uh, because that is how he feels he needs to honor God, even in his singlehood. When I was um, single, there was, I met also a tall, dark, handsome fella who I thought, whew, this could be the one. It wasn't yet because it wasn't the still handsome fella. <laughs> but we, we were in different provinces and there were a few phone calls that happened. You know, in those days, people phoned. I know this is unheard of now, but people actually phoned and had long conversations. And we had so much in common. We um, shared passion for young people and developing Africa and a whole lot of things. And then we were making plans to meet up. We'd met once before and we were making plans to meet up. Only God knows why I asked this question, because I thought at the time it was a stupid question to ask. But towards the end of the conversation, I said, um, just, just as a matter of interest, are you married? And there was silence on the end of the line. Um, and then the answer was, um, it's complicated. No, it's not. It's, there's no, you either married or you're not married. I don't know how it's complicated to be married. And he said, anyway, long story short, I won't bore you with the details, but he said something to the effect of, we have an arrangement, him and whoever the other person in his married life was. I can't call her a wife because I don't know what she was. Um, and then he said, but please just meet with me and I'll explain it to you. I put down the phone, very disturbed, uh, phoned a friend who was really egging, like I had met this guy and was really egging me onto this relationship. And I said, can you believe this guy? And she's like, yeah, but maybe, maybe he's getting divorced or he's separated and maybe just go and hear him out. So another piece of advice to singles, watch the company you keep and watch the counsel you allow into your life. Thankfully, I prayed, <laughs> not just asked, and I asked, Lord, should I go and meet this person? Tick boxed so many things. Everything was there except for this one complicated thing. And I don't often hear the Lord very audibly, but I heard an audible voice of the Lord saying, if you go and meet this person, you are opening a door to your future marriage with which the enemy can do whatever he wants. And very clearly, I shut that thing down and didn't, I didn't even, I just, phone, I left a message to say, I will not be meeting you. Please, the Lord bless you in your complicated relationship. I'm not part of that. Advice to singles. Uh, as young women, I know th there's a shortage of single eligible men in the church. It's, it's, it's a thing. Don't, don't compromise. Don't be willing to give even a little glimpse to the enemy into the beautiful future thing that God has in store for you. And as Mzamo said, honor God with the fullness of your singlehood, even as you trust and wait. So good. We call that entanglement nowadays. That's what we call that. Um, so as you may have picked up, I mean, in, in this church, we really believe that a good godly marriage is by hard work. It is by putting in the work. And it's, it's not just about who you marry, although that does play a role. Absolutely. It's very important that you make the right choice. But even within that, you know, it's about hard work. And once you're married, if you both put in the work, you can have a good godly marriage, no matter what the starting point of your relationship was. 
So one of the resources that Mzamo alluded to it earlier, um, Greg shared this with us. If you wouldn't mind putting up the next slide. There's these 10 laws of boundaries in marriage that Greg came across in his um, studies. And I'm just going to read through them quickly. These laws apply to you no matter what phase of life you're in. They are really great boundaries for marriage, for singlehood, for in between those two. So number one, the law of sowing and reaping. Our actions have consequences. Secondly, the law of responsibility. We are responsible to each other, but not for each other. The law of power. We have power over some things. We don't have power over others. The law of respect. If we wish for others to respect our boundaries, we need to respect theirs. The law of motivation. We must be free to say no before we can wholeheartedly say yes. The law of evaluation. We need to evaluate the pain our boundaries cause others. The law of proactivity. We take action to solve problems based on our values, wants, and needs. The law of envy. We will never get what we want if we focus outside our boundaries onto what others have. The law of activity. We need to take the initiative in setting limits rather than be passive. And the law of exposure. We need to communicate our boundaries to each other. So we shared this list with you guys and asked you about which of these boundaries do you really, have, have you seen at work in your marriage? Have you got a story about that you felt um, you had to learn about or that you really saw grace in? And I'm going to start with you, John. Um, I, for me, the one I, the one, the two I really had to work on were the law of power and the law of respect. Uh, you know, marriage also is a miracle. I mean, look at the two of us. We're two different people from two different worlds, different personalities and everything else. And there's a tendency to want to change the other person. There's a tendency to want to say, I don't know if this is, well, let me, let me say for, for married people, okay, real quick, uh, just a sidebar, is that some of you may have gone into your marriage and still wondered, did I marry the right person? And you go through your whole kind of, you know, once you said yes at the altar, once you made your commitment, that became the, the right person. That is the right person for you. There is no ands, ifs, or buts. That is the right person. You work it out then. Anyway, let me just keep going here <laughs> because so many times I wanted to change Jan because she wanted to do it this way and I wanted to do it that way. And, and uh, we all, we had our, our differences, you know, uh, how you set up the, the bathroom and I loved it just this way and she wanted everything just right and when I cleaned the bathroom this wasn't over here and this wasn't over here ah! <laughs> okay you remember that Jen <laughs> but you know what over the years I found out who cares who cares I needed to let Jan be Jan the and and that headed into that even headed into uh into disrespect for her uh her boundaries sorry I've got my phone's reading my stuff here. I had to learn to respect her boundaries. Jan's an introvert, and I definitely am an extrovert. And I, I wanted to pull Jan to every event, every people thing, everything that happened was happening. Jan needed time just to, to process and, and be quiet, and she was willing to come with me. But I, was, I kept pushing her and wanting to, and I had to learn 
to respect those boundaries in her life. I had to learn to, and even now at times, I had to learn to sometimes be Jan. And Jan had to become like me sometimes. And there's, there's times when we have to be that way for each other. I had to become more like Jan at times in my, in my life. And sometimes you'll see me in the back of the church sitting there because I'm being more that way. I, was, I tended to want to be at the front and, you know, taking the notes and being the keener, you know, and all that. And I, I learned a lot. It left a lot of, I, I became a lot less stressed. And, you know, I didn't have to prove myself when I became more like my wife. It was wonderful. Is that good? Okay. <laughs> uh, for me, the one that was the hardest was the law of responsibility. Um, I'm Canadian, and I'm from rural Canada, so that means you get the crops paid for once a year. You have one paycheck a year. So if you don't plant at the right time, the crop isn't in at the right time, you don't get paid for the year. So you have to be responsible ahead of time. So that's how I grew up. I'm also wired that way. It's just, I, I, that just is. That's the way God wired me. So I am from the rural Canada farm where we have to be responsible, and I married my island boy. <laughs> where if we don't plan today, it doesn't matter. It's still going to be warm tomorrow. <laughs> so we can do that. Um, let's just have a nap under the coconut tree. So... We definitely are cross-cultural. <laughs> but I, I found after a few, quite a few years, I had four kids. We had four kids. <clears throat> and I was just burning out. And through that burnout, God showed me I was taking on his responsibilities. I had enough of my own. I, being a mom and everything else, I couldn't carry his as well. Now, if he messed up, that's not me. That's him. And once I was able, God had to take me to a deep burnout. I'll talk about more, that more later. But once I was able to release his responsibilities, oh, life was so much better. <laughs> and you know what? We're, we're still together. We still work together. But ultimately, his actions are his actions. They're not mine. Yeah, yeah that was... <laughs> I think it was a split between two, um, probably number 10, the law of exposure, and also the law of power for me. Um, I am a recovering people pleaser, <laughs> and I like one, one of my biggest needs in life is peace, <laughs> peace and laughter. And so that means that as long as everybody is at peace, it's okay. And so if you want to take me on holiday, um, and any question will typically be, so if you say, well, what do you want to do today? And I'll say, what, 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 do you, what, what does everybody want to do today? What should we eat? I don't know, what do you guys want to eat? Um, and so that, I just assume, means that we're all on the same page. Um, my dear husband is a lot more decisive than I am in terms of like what he wants to do on a typical day. And so sometimes I would think that, um, but can't you just figure out that you should also ask me <laughs> what I want to do? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's number 10. We need to communicate our boundaries to each other, which is something that I'm really growing in. 
Um, I think for me it was, you had other one though, you didn't do Yeah, I, I saw time up and oh, so okay, cool. Uh, well done. Um, so I think it's, it's motivation and evaluation. I think they really dovetail nicely in terms of, especially in other areas of life. But I think people please are like my wife, but struggling with saying no and struggling with saying no would then have a knock-on effect of encroaching on someone else's boundaries, which happen to be my wife's boundaries. So if I struggle with saying no, I cannot come to this ministry every weekend. And I don't articulate that to my wife. She's then like, I understand you're doing this thing, but like, what about us? And so the grapple of needing to be able to say, what was it? It said, uh, we must say no before we can wholeheartedly say yes. Being able to work on that. I need to be able to say no. I need to be able to, 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 to articulate that kind of stuff. And then recognizing that my boundaries, my lack of boundaries, actually also affect the people around me. And I think we see that in society as a whole, that like when we have a lack of boundaries, it affects everyone else's, everyone else's area. So yeah. So good. Yeah. As Navira mentioned, the screen here is telling us we're out of time, but I'm gonna ask one more question. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. I also wanna say, we've done 35 minutes about the benefits of marriage and no one's mentioned sex yet. <laughs> It's great. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that is a benefit. <laughs> Jan, there's one question I want to specifically ask you, because I know you said you want to talk about it later. So I want to ask about transitions. Um, it's a common phrase that the person you're marrying is not the same person who you're going to be married to 10 years from now, much less 20 years from now or 30 years from now. And seasons change all along the way. Um, and that can quite be quite a difficult thing in marriage. And I, you already mentioned that you're going to talk about it later. So I want to ask you specifically that question. How have you gone about navigating transition in your marriage? Um, <clears throat> okay. I think a key word that you said, Zach, is seasons. Seasons change. And no matter what season you're in, it's going to change. And a lot of times when you're in a nasty season or a bad season, you feel like you're going to be in it for forever. It's going to change. I had said last time about the responsibility that God took me to a, big, a deep burnout. And in that burnout, um, I was not a nice person to be around. <laughs> but um, my kids say, oh, that's mom's angry years. I did not want to be married. I did not want to be married to him. Um, I was just miserable. But divorce is not part of the option. And so God kind of said to me, he said to me, he said, so you, Dan, you have two choices. You can stay in this marriage and be miserable the rest of your life, or you can stay in this marriage and be happy, your choice. This was about after four or five years of being miserable. So this was not a short season. And so I said, okay, well, let's choose the happy one. That's the more logical. <laughs> People, I didn't share this with anybody. People would pray for us and they'd say, we just pray for joy in your marriage. And I would be sitting back there cynical saying, yeah, right, this is going to take a miracle. And it really did. About, so I made that decision, and God just worked in my heart. I, I didn't do anything. I didn't read any marriage books or anything like that. 
God worked. And I don't know how he did it, but he worked. And my just simple choosing to let him work made the difference. About three years even after that, so now we're going seven to eight years, we, I was at a connect group, and um, they said, so say something that's good. And I, I, I was like, I shocked. I remember the group distinctly saying, I enjoyed my husband. I had fun today with him. And it was like, wow, God changed it from being miserable and not wanting to be there to, that was good. I had, we had fun. And I said, oh, wow. So we're talking season, things change. And if you're in a nasty season right now, hang in there, choose the right thing, and then do what you can. But it's going to change. And so it's just a matter of letting God work in your heart. And since that time, that was probably about 23, 20, 23 years into our marriage. Since then, it's been good. And we can laugh. We can, we, I can truly say I enjoy being with my husband now. John, I don't know if you want to share anything. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> of course. In transitions and change and crisis like this, uh, Jan and I have our people that we go to. We have accountability people, which are very important. And we have certain people that we have cards for. We have the, the card people that is like, man, this is really bad. We better. So we go to them. And... Uh, and uh, Jan, I, I threaten yeah. him if he doesn't change, I will call the card people. <laughs> True. <laughs> and we also have uh, what we call town meetings. Uh, we actually take time. Uh, usually, it's once or twice a year, and we just just to adjust things. We'll go to McDonald's. We'll sit there with a book. And we'll just write out socially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, sexually, all these different things. And we just look, how can we tweak this? And, and it's not only gone with our marriage, but with each of the kids, we have, we, at least twice a year, we look at this. And then at the end of the year, we write a whole summary of how the year has gone. So that's really helped us a lot uh, over the years. Yeah. Great, thank you. I do want to give you an opportunity. If there's anything you want to share on the transitions, briefly. Um, so we had a transition of we we had a transition of me moving out into the work I was doing to us starting our business and working together. And at the time, it was a case of, okay, cool, we're starting the business, we're responsible for this thing. And we then sought out a counselor to, one, help us think through what are the decisions that we're making, especially being good stewards of this thing, but then also to help us ensure that we safeguard our friendship uh, because it's a new dynamic that we're introducing into our lives and this has to work first and if that other thing bombs and fails, sharp, but we have to make sure that we, that we work. So that was, uh, I think it was 2018, 2017, 2018, and so that was in terms of like just really having to work through that. And my wife is really good at 
holding up the, the handbrake and like, hey, I think we're slipping on being friends. And I think it's really important. I, I want to affirm that just like she does it really well in terms of like, we need to, we need to look at this a bit better. So, yeah. I won't take too long, but one other transition we went through was um, facing a retrenchment and going from two incomes to one income and how that can change dynamic power and money can change a lot in a relationship. I think um, what helped a lot there was just open communication and really one thing that Mzamo models more than any, like I'd never seen anybody model that in my life before, which is one of the reasons that really attracted me to him, is just honesty. And when I say honesty, I'm not just talking about the good stuff, I'm talking about the ugly and everything in between. So it's like, I'm struggling with this today, I'm struggling with motivation today, I'm struggling with this today. And I think that in, in all of the transitions, just that honesty, that open cards, that willingness to be vulnerable and say, this is the area I'm struggling in, has really helped us to tron transition from one thing to another. A scripture that I just also felt that I really wanted to encourage all of us with was from Hebrews chapter 2, um, from 11 and 18. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Because he himself, Jesus, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And I think just in the seasons of transition, tapping into the one who was fully human and fully had the experience of suffering and going through the nasty seasons has helped us move from one difficult season to another. So good. Can we give our panelists just a round of applause for their vulnerability and their honesty? Thank you so much for being available, for sharing. It's so encouraging that, you know, just hearing that there are going to be difficult times in marriage. And I think there's many people that give up in the four or five years when things are difficult and choose to walk away. And that's affected so many of us where we have broken families and brokenness around us but it doesn't have to be that way and that if you walk in faith if you are dedicating these things on a daily basis to the Lord that you will see his faithfulness and you will see his hand and he will bring joy and peace and love and all of those good fruit into your relationships. So we really appreciate you guys sharing so vulnerably with us. We're going to take some time just to pray, pray for us um, as, as a congregation and, and the things that we're trusting for. And so I'm going to hand over to John and to Jan to do that for us. Let's all stand. I was just really sensing tonight that there are those who are still feeling that loneliness. There's a real sense of, I just feel so incomplete. There's just this loneliness I go through all the time. And I really, I just want to pray for you. I, I want to pray for you, whether that's fulfilled through community, where, especially if you're single, that you know, man, thank you, Lord, that you fulfill this. Or even if you're in a marriage relationship now and you know that you've been feeling lonely in it and, and uh, not knowing, you know, God, why am I feeling this way? I just want to just to pray, just, just, uh, just lift your hands to the Lord. And Father, I just want to thank you so much that you put the lonely in families.
And Father, you fulfill that need, God. You said it's not, not right. It's not good. It's not a good thing for anyone to be alone. And so, Father, I pray today in Jesus' name, Lord, by your spirit, Father God, that you would fill that need, Lord, for family, that need for, for uh, comfort and attention and care and intimacy and joy, Lord, in relationship for those right now who are struggling with that, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord. I just want you to, to, to cast that loneliness to the Lord right now in Jesus' name and say, Father, take my loneliness. Take my loneliness, Father God, and fill it with your presence. Fill it with the presence of community. And for those of you who have been praying for a spouse and, and knowing that somehow God is going to bring someone into your life who will be a blessing that you could live life with and, or you might be in that relationship now and wondering what to do, I want to pray for you right now. Just lift your hand to the Lord if that's you. Just keep your eyes closed. If that's you, Father, I thank you for those whose hands are lifted right now, Father, who desire, Lord God, to be in that relationship, that, that intimate marriage relationship, Father God. They desire to have someone they could walk life with, someone they could share with, Father God, someone they could enjoy, Father God, while they're here on earth. Lord, I pray that you would open those doors and those that are right now a little bit scared and don't know how to make that decision, would you just make it crystal clear? Here's the way. Walk you in it, buddy. Little lady, just walk you in it because it's fine. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Father, thank you. And those that are married right now in this room, life gets tough. There's times when those emotions rise. There's times when you wonder, you want to flee, you want to fight. I just want you right now to lift your hand to the Lord and say, Father, just take my marriage. Thank you for allowing me to be married. Thank you for the beautiful man, beautiful woman you've put me with. Thank you. Thank you for them. Just thank the Lord again for your spouse. Thank you that you've allowed them to complete me. And I can rejoice and celebrate with this person you've allowed me to live life with. God, thank you for the hands that are lifted right now. They're thanking you for their marriage relationship. Would you bless them today? And God, in all of our minds and all of our hearts, would you show us again how beautiful, how wonderful, how amazing it is to be married. And also, how wonderful, beautiful, and amazing it is to be single and celebrating our singleness before you, Father. Help us to do that well. As Brother Nzamo shared, Father, help us to do that well. Help us to do that with a passion. Help us to live our, our married life and our single life, Father God, with a passion for you 
and a passion for those you've called us to. We give you all the praise, all the glory, God. We celebrate you for creating both singleness, for creating marriage, Father God. We give you thanks for it because it completes us, Lord. We are complete in you. I want you right now just to lift your hands. I just want to speak a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you in your marriage. And may the Lord bless you in your singleness. As you go forth from this place, may his passion and his joy and his, his, his fullness be yours in your marriage and in your singleness. Thank you, Father God. Thank you that you've allowed us to be in this place where you've called us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, God loves you to be with the family.